you would, please open your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10, beginning, beginning there. And as you turn there, I want to read to you a quote um, that I found from a, a shepherd. And this shepherd, Philip Keller, wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he wrote, he records this story of him being a shepherd and um, of a neighbor shepherd. And he says, The tenant sheepman on the farm next to my first ranch was the most indifferent manager I had ever met. He was not concerned about the condition of his sheep. His land was neglected. He gave little or no time to his flock, letting them pretty well forage for themselves as best they could. They fell prey to dogs, cougars, and rustlers. Every year these poor creatures were forced to gnaw away at bare brown fields and impoverished pastures. I can still see them standing at the fence, huddled sadly in little knots, staring wistfully through the wires of the rich pastures on the other side. He ignored their needs. He couldn't care less. Why should he? They were just sheep, fit only for the slaughterhouse. Then he says this, I never looked at those poor sheep without an acute awareness that this was a precise picture of those wretched old taskmasters, sin and Satan, on their derelict ranch, scoffing at the plight of those within their power. See, what Philip Keller recognized is that these sheep needed a better shepherd, a good shepherd. And the Bible we hold in our hands today says a lot about sheep and who they are and what they need. And one of the most frequent things that it says about sheep is that actually we are the sheep God's talking about. And we need a shepherd. A good one. And that's our question today. Do you know the good shepherd? Would you stand with me as we read God's word in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You may have seen. As we listen to this, Jesus is interacting with Pharisees after a, after, after a man has been healed from blindness. And we should see in this text that it's pretty clear. We should know our good shepherd. In our day, however, people may have struggled with this a bit. And maybe you struggled with it when Denton showed the video of the horse. Maybe you struggled with it a bit when we were with kids at the kids' time, seeing sheep and being called sheep. People like being called sheep? Do you like thinking of yourself as a sheep? Hopefully we'll answer this question because we should know our good shepherd, but you may be wondering, why do we need a shepherd? Why do we need a shepherd? Why should we know our good shepherd? First, we need to know our good shepherd knows us. Jesus gives some figurative instruction. He says this figure of speech Jesus told them, used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. He gave to them to listening Pharisees, so Jesus makes it more explicit in the rest of the passage. So we're not going to follow this necessarily order by order, because he's talking all about the same thing in this passage. But these first six verses can be best understood by Jesus' statement in verse 14, where he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So what does it mean for our good shepherd to know us? First, it means we're his. Verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Thieves and robbers, well, <laughs> you can guess it. What do they do? They steal. They take. Why? For selfish gain. Not for the benefit of the sheep. They have no value of care because the sheep aren't legitimately theirs. We take care of stuff that we have, don't we? Or at least we have really good intentions of doing so most of the time. And the religious leadership of Israel in this day and before had largely failed their people. They were leading them astray. And they were still trying to claim that they were legitimate rulers of Israel. And they still did this even though they were rejecting the one whom they were, to, they were to submit, Jesus. They thought that he was not the legitimate ruler of Israel. This is what it means that a, the person who isn't entering the sheepfold by the door is a thief and a robber. They are trying to rule and they are trying to get the sheep to do what they want by an illegitimate means. But Jesus, he who enters the door, enters by the door, is what? The shepherd of the sheep. And that means he owns the sheep. Remember back in John chapter 6, verse 37, when Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. 
if we are part of his church, whoever be, who, who believe that Jesus is our good shepherd, we are his, and we don't belong to any other. Our good shepherd knowing us also means, secondly, that he knows, he not just, we're not just his, but that he knows everything about us. Verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Who are Jesus' sheep? You ever wondered that? Who are Jesus' sheep? Those whom he calls by name. And those who hear him calling them by name. So, if you have heard Jesus calling you to trust him, to follow him, to surrender all to him, and you have... He knows you. And you know him. But doesn't he know all that I've done? How I've not trusted him, Aaron? <laughs> yes, he does. And that should scare us a little bit. But he still calls you by name. Why? Because you are his sheep. Jesus knows everything about us but it should comfort us a lot more than scare us because our good shepherd knows who we are, who we aren't, what we need, how we need it. And this should encourage us to follow him as he leads us out. He knows everything about us and he leads us to good. And thirdly, our good shepherd knowing us means that we get to know him. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before him, and what? The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And did you notice where Jesus is in, in terms of direction? He's not behind them like a sheepdog nipping at their heels. He goes ahead of us and calls us along. This is how Jesus makes disciples of us. We follow him where he has gone, where he leads, and we listen to him as he calls. But to the Pharisees, they don't know his voice. And John says it kind of ironically. He says, verse 6, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Why didn't they understand? It wasn't because they were dense people. They were not of Jesus' flock. His sheep know his voice. And they follow him. Even if we don't get everything right away. I know some of you have been reading through the New Testament with us this fall. And it's probably been, been difficult at some points, yes? Difficult to keep going, difficult to understand. But do you remember the point of why we're doing that? I called it hearing his voice. Now, sheep in the Middle East aren't typically herded by dogs like in Europe or here in the States. They learn to hear and recognize their shepherd's voice, and they follow that shepherd. And I found out that even if someone puts on the same clothes as a shepherd, smells like the shepherd, but has a different voice, they won't follow them. For they do not know the voice of strangers, as this passage says. But when the true shepherd calls them, what? They follow him. 
And we get to know him. We get to know who he is. We get to hear his voice and know that it's him through what? Through his word. He doesn't give this to us as, as the big exercise to-do list of you've accomplished something when you're a Christian having read the Bible. No, he gives this to us so that we can understand what his voice sounds like. Here, he is the good shepherd who knows us, and we get to know him. We should know our good shepherd. Well, why else should we know our good shepherd? He not only knows us, secondly, our good shepherd protects us. They don't understand, so Jesus said to them again, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Jesus is mixing metaphors, and they're all, but they're all metaphors that are designed to present a big picture. It's a point to the same thing. He's the shepherd of the sheep, but he's also the door of the sheep our good shepherd who protects us. So what does our good shepherd protect us from? He protects us, as this passage says, from being lost. Verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Let me tell you what this is not. This is not little Bo Peep who lost her sheep. Leave them, alo leave them alone and they'll come home wagging their tails behind them. No, these sheep, if left to themselves, will be stolen, killed, and destroyed. This is, this is where it moves to not just talking about sheep. This is about salvation. This is about you and me and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Without a good shepherd, we are in a deadly state. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Scripture says. And in so doing, we have separated ourselves from our good shepherd. And if you're familiar with sheep, has been mentioned earlier in this service, they're not terribly bright animals and can easily get themselves into a heap of trouble. And that's where many of us hit up against a wall because we're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not a sheep. I've got a head on my shoulders. I think I've got this figured out. Thank you very much. How dare you associate me with a dim-witted animal. Well, good news. God does not intend to insult our intelligence, but he does want us to have a sober picture of us. And if you have a picture in your mind of you being one who able to carry and pick yourself up by your own spiritual bootstraps, you are just confirming that you are as dim-witted as a sheep. And that you need a shepherd I need a shepherd because on my own I will always fulfill what Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 says. There is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. Proverbs had to say that twice. Sheep, people, if left to ourselves, 
not listening to the good shepherd will perish. Because we'll what? We'll follow thieves and robbers. We'll be stolen. This is why this is such good news. Because Jesus came and he had compassion on the crowds. As it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They and we are in peril. But Jesus says that if we enter his protection through him, that is trusting him in repenting faith, he guarantees to protect us from being lost. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. But he doesn't just rescue us from eternal death, protecting us from being lost. One question we have to ask of this text is, what, text is, what does he protect us for? He protects us, as verse 9 says, for living. He doesn't say, if any, he says, if anyone enters by me, he will, enters by me, he will be saved. And what? And we'll go in and out and find pasture. That's such a good thing. We go in and he gives us rest in his sheep pen. You know, when we're trying to pull ourselves by our, up by our own spiritual bootstraps, we are trying so hard at everything. And ironically, the harder we try, the worse it gets. But in Jesus, he gives us rest in his salvation, and we are secure. But not only that, we aren't saved to starve to death in the sheep pen. As one commentator wrote, we are saved to go out and find nourishment with our shepherd. And that's why Psalm 23 goes on to say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. We're to live life. What does it say? The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We're to live life, abundant life, because our good shepherd protects us for living. So you, struggling sheep, do you doubt our good shepherd to watch over you? to keep you, to rescue you from the great disaster that would befall you if you were on your own. I know that I think everybody at some point or another struggle. anybody who is a follower of Jesus struggles at some point or another to believe that Jesus will keep us when we fail yet again. Do you believe that Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. And that he doesn't call us good. He calls himself good. And because he's the good shepherd, not us, we are the sheep, he saves. And he comes to give life and give it abundantly. So struggling sheep, do not disbelieve, as Jesus told a grieving family, only believe. And think about it. How could God, Jesus Christ is God, how could God, who so loved the world that he sent his son, God in the flesh, how could he let one of his sheep 
perish. How could he let, how could God, omniscient, let one sheep out of his sight forget where they were? It's impossible. Our God is not a losing God. He is a saving God. He is a keeping God. He is a life-giving God. We must know our good shepherd. The thief, and Jesus here means at the very least religious leaders who reject Jesus, false messiahs or teachers who ultimately reject Jesus, and it ultimately the greatest enemy of the sheep, Satan himself, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. So before we go on, we need to understand a little bit what that means. Free Lamborghinis for everybody, right? No. No. The one commentator put it, money can buy you a whole lot of things. Money can even buy you a pasture, but it can't buy you satisfaction in that pasture. When Jesus says life abundantly, it's not necessarily an abundance of stuff or expensive stuff that he's after. He's after real right-side-up life, life satisfied and provided for with our Good Shepherd. Do you know that Scripture promises that today, today, all of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ have all that we need today for life and godliness. Today! And you're thinking, well, I'm struggling financially. You have today everything you need for life and godliness. And what does Paul say? Therefore, I know how to abound and how to be brought low. I know how to face hunger and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, we have all that we need for life and abundant life. And it's something that no amount of our money or our works can buy. Our Good Shepherd protects us. We should know our Good Shepherd. But living life and life abundant does have a price. It's not money. Jesus protecting his sheep, knowing his sheep, does have a cost. Us being protected does have a cost. Why should we know our good shepherd? Third, our good shepherd dies and lives for us. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we should put a put brakes on here at the moment and say, okay, why does he die? Why does a good shepherd die? Why not the bad shepherds? Why does he have to die? 
Why must he die? First, he dies and lives to save the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who, is not, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And what happens? The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We need spiritual saving. We have spiritual enemies as the people of God, as His sheep. And these enemies want to keep us from proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They want, us, they want to keep us from having life in His name, abundant life. And Jesus gives the illustration that not just anyone will do to rescue the sheep from the wolf. It must be one who is willing and able to lay down his life. Not some hired hand, not some false messiah or false teacher or false religion that ultimately doesn't care about the lives of God's sheep, but more about protecting themselves. They're not able to lead the people and keep people in real salvation. But Christ, who lays down his life for the sheep at the cross, because he is the good shepherd, he is able to save us from our sins. He is able to snatch, he is able to snatch us from the wolf. Our good shepherd dies and lives to save the sheep. And secondly, he dies and lives to bring other sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, Jesus said in verse 16. And they will listen to my, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And we have been talking up to this point about this flock as though we were part of them. And in now post-resurrection, we are. But if this verse weren't in this passage, we could not rightfully say that from this text, text alone that we, all you and me, in this room and those listening, would be part of Jesus' sheep, his people, his church. The fold that he's talking about here are his sheep that come from the sheep pen of Judaism. The Jewish faith was meant to find its fulfillment in Jesus, but only a few only Jesus' sheep hear his voice and come and came to him. And it was within that that there is good news for us. Because God always, always, and the people didn't get it, but God always had bigger plans than just the nation of Israel. He intended to bring what? Salvation to all nations. God promised their patriarch, Abraham, in the book of Genesis, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This blessing all the families of the earth 
is what? Salvation, being blessed by the true son of Abraham, Jesus the Christ, the son of God, who came through Israel to the world. Jew and Gentile. And this is you and me. It's no longer chosen Jew over here and condemned Gentile over here. No, there is one flock, one shepherd. He dies and lives to bring other sheep. And thirdly, he dies and he lives for the sheep because the Father loves him. Verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father bears repeating that this good shepherd is not just some really good Israelite shepherd. This is God the Son in the flesh. The Word became flesh, as John says, whom God the Father loves. And one of the reasons God the Father loves the Son is that the Son is so desirous to keep the charge he received from his Father, to keep his sheep to glorify the Father and do His will perfectly so that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And God says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And He delights that Jesus, the Good Shepherd, our Good Shepherd, would be willing to lay down His life for the sheep and take it up again. And this is really important because from the outside as we look at the crucifixion of Jesus where the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep where we see that Jews and Romans took this man Jesus arrested him, sent him through a kangaroo court and killed him on one of the worst ways to die the world looks at that and says oh what a tragedy we the sheep of God should never say those words about the crucifixion of Jesus, about the shepherd laying down his life. We should never, ever say that, that was a tragedy. Why? Because this, this passage tells us that it's not up to them, the enemies. It was God's plan. No one, Jesus says, takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus allowed himself to die so that we could die to sin and live with him. Only God has the authority to choose when he's going to die. And then, if that's not enough, I mean, think about it. Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What does that mean if the shepherd dies? There's still the sheep. But no shepherd. That's incomplete salvation. So what does he say? I lay down my life that I may take it up again. You see, to prove that his death really did save the sheep, he took up his life again. 
as the scripture says, is the firstborn from the dead among many brothers and sisters. And he promises us, because of the evidence of his resurrection, that we may have resurrection life with him. Sure, we have all that we need each day for life and godliness in this world, but God promises abundant life beyond so much more. He dies and lives for us because the Father loves him. We are brought by being sheep of his pasture into that relationship, into that joy, into that happiness, into that delight that God has in himself. We should know our good shepherd. And the outside world may look at this and respond like the Jews did in verse 19 through 21. It says, There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of a man who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They may not have been totally there, but they're right. This is, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon but one who sets captives free. Who is the good shepherd? Who is he to you? We should know our good shepherd. I read a story once where a famous actor was giving impromptu monologues to a, a watching audience. And someone in the back said, because he was taking requests, some, well, someone in the back said, Psalm 23. And this actor didn't much care for God, but said, like, okay, I know that one. So he said it, and he said it wonderfully and eloquently and with all, all the drama and, and zeal of an, that an actor can give it. And then this, this actor wanted to justify himself. So he called the person who had requested him to do that and said, would you say Psalm 23? And this old man got up and recited from memory Psalm 23. Not nearly with the eloquence or the drama that the actor did. But the whole audience was silent. And there was a pause as he finished. And for a moment, the actor didn't say anything. Then he told the crowd. He said, I can read this song. This man, he knows the shepherd. We should know our good shepherd. Someone who leads us, knows us, protects us, provides for us, who has laid down his life so that we would not be destroyed. Set free. And set free to live life that he came to give life 
abundantly. And we can have hope because he not only laid down his life, he took it up again. We should know.